Welcome to the Best Business Podcast, the podcast for established marketers, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. The ones who want to join me in my mission to create 200 new multimillionaires who solve world problems with entrepreneurship. If that's you, then this podcast was created to give you access to the tools, training, strategies, and tactics you need to achieve multiple seven-figure profits as soon as possible. This world needs the best business you can build, so please get ready, open your mind, believe you can do this, and let's build a better world together for future generations. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by a very special guest, Dustin Matthews. And Dustin is known for his ability to create marketplace frenzy, sending people to buy products and services en masse. In addition to helping generate over $25 million in sales, he's helped two different companies reach Inc. Magazine's prestigious, fastest-growing private companies list. He's also the author of six books, including The Ultimate Success Secrets, ROI Marketing Secrets Revealed, and New Rules of the Game. I've asked him to join us here today to share some of the most cutting edge and innovative ways we can present our message to the world. So Dustin, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you giving us some time. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me on, Daryl. Yeah, no, it's all good. And as we were saying before the call, like, you know, we know each other kind of well. Like, we see each other around. I think we've had lunch once or twice. Um, and obviously, I know that you're a wizard when it comes to all sorts of presentations, whether it's a webinar or selling from stage. But you obviously didn't start off speaking to large groups of people and selling millions of dollars worth of stuff. So how did you even get started in this game? Well, actually, there's a funny story before I give you, you know, the flagship, how I got started and, it, and I'll sum it up real quick and then we'll get we'll get into sure. get into the other story. So the first one is, you know, I had to go to school and at school you got to take certain classes to graduate and there's just no getting around it. And so I'm at school and one of those classes is public speaking. Right. You got to do it. It's going to make you a well-rounded citizen and it'll help you in the work world. And so I say, OK. So I walk into this auditorium. You know, I subscribe to the class. I walk into this auditorium and there's 300 people and it's like stadium seating or theater seating where it's, you know, the seats are stacking on top of each other, cascading. Mm-hmm. And then there's a stage. And so there's a stage there and the professor walks out and, you know, everyone's loud and, you know, professor walks out and it gets real quiet. And he proceeds to say, hey, you're going to have to give 10 talks. Some of the talks are going to be in front of all 300 people. Some of the presentations you give are going to be, you know, in smaller groups. And I'm just looking around and my, you know, my heart starts to race. And I'm like, is anyone else listening to this? (laughs) And so, you know, kind of afraid or a lot afraid, I should say, of what was about to happen. I bailed. I left. But the challenge was I had to take this class. So, you know, my thinking immediately went to, Daryl, it went to maybe I can find a smaller class, a section, you know, maybe I can find something. So I sign up for this class again, just trying to make the the options different. But I find myself back in that same part of campus. I walk into that same building and then I walk into that same auditorium, same 300 or different 300 people, same professor, same spiel on what we have to do. And so I'd like to say in that moment, I conquered my fear and and just knocked it out. But again, I retreated. And I tell that story because it's funny. It's like when you're so motivated to do something, you will find ways to get things done. And so in this instance, I went out and I started talking to people. I went to the library and read the student handbook and I found a loophole. You want to know what the loophole was? What was the loophole? <laughs> well, the loophole stated if I had taken a certain class in high school, that I would be able to clip out of this one. And so what happened was I had taken this class in high school because I was actually chasing a girl at the time. <laughs> it didn't work out with the girl. Um, but 
I took this class. It was called Model United Nations. So we had to speak and do this thing. It was interactive. And so they said if I got my teacher to write the note, I could get out of this class because I had already demonstrated you know, this level of skill. So what do you think I did? I don't know. Well, some people, Daryl, would say, well, Dustin, you got the teacher to write the note. Well, no, I was so motivated to get out of this class to speak in front of the 300 people that I wrote the note for the teacher. And I said, hey, just approve this. If you want to change it, have at it. But I made it as easy as possible. Mm. And so I tell that story because it's quite funny. And I ended up getting out of the class. I tell that because I co-founded Speaking Empire with my partner, Dave, who you've you've interviewed. Mm -hmm. And we teach speakers how to not only just speak from stage, but sell from stage in webinars. And so it's kind of funny that in life early on, we have challenges. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, well, to be honest, I think business in some ways is very Shakespearean in the sense of in Shakespeare, all of his main characters fell victim to their greatest flaws. And I think in business, it's that way that, you know, your greatest weaknesses can become your greatest strengths and vice versa. Your strengths can become your weaknesses. And I mean, it's your interview, but just for a second, I think that you need to focus on your strengths and surround yourself with people who are strong at what you're weak at. But I think what, what you're talking about, that was something you kind of, you know what I mean? Like it was a weakness for you, but you actually have a knack. You're really personable. You're really good with commanding a presence. You're very empathetic with people. And that's a lot of strengths that you have, but you had that weakness. And I think by... I don't, I don't know, starting with that story about how you were actually like, you know, like a lot of people really terrified of public speaking and overcoming that it's helped you create, you know, literally an empire. So, yep. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's just a room for personal growth. You know, you have those challenges and I agree with you, you know, you ought to really just focus on your strengths and really hire your weaknesses. And for me, this was like a life lesson, a personal development, you know, strengthening of who I was. And so there's that balance for sure in business. And I agree with you on that. So how did you get started in business then? All right. So this is another one my favorite. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You ever read that one? Mm -hmm. So I got super excited. This was after I left school. So I had graduated. You could say I partied a little bit in school. And, and so I didn't focus on what the next step was. And so I didn't have any jobs lined up. So I'm back at home with the parents. Oh, gosh, back at home with the parents, right? And trying to find my way. Well, someone hands me Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was fascinated. Mm. Because in school, I was a techie. I was a nerd, introverted, and never took a business class, never took marketing, never took psychology. And so what I did was I read that book and I got excited about real estate. And I ended up going down to an investor club where people were swapping real estate deals and you could learn about how to flip houses and all sorts of things. I met Dave Van Hoos down there and he was starting a little old company called Foreclosures Daily. I remembered from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I said, you got to go find a mentor. I got to go find my rich dad. And so Dave served as my rich dad. I went up to him. I said, Dave, teach me how to buy a house and I'll come work for free for you. And so that's exactly what happened. I started to thinking I was going to be a real estate millionaire and do houses. But while I was there, I picked up a book. Truth be told, it was a Dan Kennedy book on how to put words into print and motivate people to take action. And I was fascinated. I'm like, wow, you can actually write words or say words or, you know, arrange words in a way that get people to give you money or, you know, donate or, or, you know, join a cause. And so I tested one of those ideas at Dave's company. It worked and I was hooked ever since. That's awesome. Got it. So you and Dave have been partners for a long time then. He's a great guy. You see, I worked for Dave. So I went to work for Dave as an employee, really as his, they say, you know, a girl Friday. I was his, I think there's a male equivalent of that. So I was his like <laughs> do boy is the other way. I was Dave's do boy. I was his assistant. And so Dave couldn't turn a computer on. And, you know, I had that fancy computer degree from school. And so 
I worked for him. I ended up leaving him, and then we partner now, and now we're I'm an owner with him in Speaking Empire. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good higher level view of, I guess, kind of your progression, at least in the business world. I mean, you got some experience, you found a mentor, you you just stayed on like on your grind, you learned, you were a great student, and then you kind of went on your own and honed your own craft. And now you came back and worked with your mentor. That's kind of cool. I've actually been interviewed by some of my mentors, and it's very much like a full circle feeling when that happens. But on your journey, did you feel that you had to overcome certain milestones? or Did you have any big breakthroughs along the path? Yeah, absolutely. I think that first one is the story, you know, I shared right at the beginning. So there was that fear of being with people and and sharing that message, which, you know, as a business owner, we're all in the business of being in front of people, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-many. And so, you know, as a personal growth lesson, for sure there, then as now going out and not just working for somebody, but now owning my own business and having to create success, that was another milestone for me. So going off on my own to do it, without Dave, without a mentor was mission critical. And then it made sense to come back together. So how did you overcome, like you talked about before, how you were so afraid of public speaking, where did you learn? Yeah. (laughs) Where did you learn the gift of gab and the gift of selling from stage? (laughs) Well, the inside story that doesn't really get shared a lot was this. So Dave was closing back to when I was working with David at this company called Foreclosures Daily, which showed people basically how to invest in real estate. We'd go get the foreclosure list and then we'd show people what to do. So Dave was closing on his condo. And this is when I was tagging along with Dave and he's like, look, D, you got to get up there, Dustin, you got to get up there and you have to cover for me. So I say, okay. And immediately I remember going home and I took a shower for some reason. Maybe I thought that would cool me down. And I started visualizing. I was really nervous more than anything. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I needed to calm myself down. So I went in that shower. I get out of the shower, the phone rings and it's Dave. And he's like, Dustin, I got some good news for you. You know, the closing's not going on today, tonight. So you don't have to worry about it. And so immediately I was like, oh. So I'm getting dressed, I'm getting ready, I'm getting to go back to the office and that phone rings again and lo and behold, it's Dave. And I'm like, do I really want to pick up this phone call? (laughs) Do I want to take this one? And I did. I took the call and Dave said, oh, change of plans. We're back closing again. So immediately my heart races thinking that, oh gosh, I've got to get up in front of people. So there was that challenge again of now I got to get up in front of these folks. And I really was too young to know about real estate. And I was just tagging along with Dave. So like, why are they going to listen to me? And and I have the baby face on. So this was, this was when I was 21. So I looked like 15. (laughs) So all these things are going through my head, right? I go and I deliver the presentation. I knock it out of the park because I had seen Dave enough times. And I just went out there and just gave energy. I gave my passion, which as some people know, is not necessarily the words you say, but it's how you deliver it. So that's what it was. And then that parlayed into now me having to go out and do that, not just before Dave, but I had to do it for myself because I grew and they gave me a promotion and said, okay, good. You're in charge of this area, this marketplace. You go do this now. Mm. So practice. I mean, it's just, you know, feet to the fire, just go out there and do it. And doing this of it is where you learn and refine. So when you guys get clients, if they're new to the whole speaking game or they're new to having give presentations in that and they're kind of struggling and just starting out, do you have any tips for people just from hearing like what you talked about, like their palms are already sweating, listening to this, <laughs> like, uh, what would you suggest? Yeah, well, number one, it was an article. I don't recall, Daryl, where I read this article. It was a good one, though. And it was talking about Bruce Springsteen. I want to say Stevie Nicks or, or somebody from Fleetwood Mac. I don't know why that's sticking out in my head, but another singer. And so the interviewer asked both of them, hey, do you still have that nervousness to go perform? And so Bruce Springsteen, you know, later in his career is answering this question. And he says, 
you know, I don't think it's called nervousness, but here's what I do have. I have that pulse of excitement and adrenaline that fuels through my body before I set foot on stage. So there's a frame. You may say, listening to this, well, that's the same thing, you know, like if you think about it, but it's the wording. It's what you're telling your mind and your body versus the other singer who was deathly afraid. And she was incredibly famous. Like they had to like pull her out of the backstage dressing room because she was thinking of the umpteen things that were going to go wrong. She was thinking about how nervous she was. And yet they experienced that same thing. It's the framing. And so I know for some folks that sounds a little esoteric, but I remember that when I was first starting that interview and just putting that frame and not calling it nervousness or sweaty palms, but just reframing what actually is occurring. And that helped me big time. Does that make sense, Daryl? No, it makes perfect sense because it's the intent. It's your mindset when you come to something. I mean, I know, especially we were talking before the call about CrossFit and that's, you know, a lot of my listeners know that's a hobby of mine. I really am an avid believer that you need to take care of your health, especially in business because if your health goes, all the money you've made, all that stuff, everything, you know, like if your child gets sick, everything comes to a screeching halt until you get your health back. And I think that, you know, your mindset and intent when you go to something is huge because if you're doing a workout or you're doing a run or whatever your thing is and your mind gives up, your body's never going to pick you up and carry you the rest of the way, you know, but you mentally can push through when your body feels like it's got to give up. In fact, I think the Marines call it the rule of 30%. And that's Mm. that whenever you feel that you can't go any further, you've given up and you can't push harder, you've actually only, I might have this backwards, I have to research it, but it's, you've got 30% left or you're only 30% of the way to your full potential. And that's something that they train the Marines that when you feel like quitting, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like you've spent everything you've got, you actually have more in the tank. And that's just your body's way of trying to safeguard you and give you Mm. plenty of buffer room, you know what I mean, before any sort of injury happens. And that's where you hear about some of these Marines, just how they are able to just complete these insane physical feats and, you know, hike for days with like broken ribs and, you know, shrapnel on the leg and only one leg and they got to carry an 80 pound backpack with another guy <laughs> over his shoulder and they're getting shot at while they're doing it, you know, climbing a cliff. Like that's where you hear that. And that's, I think mindset's a huge, 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 huge part of it because even from my martial arts background, I've seen people lose fights, you know, in matches, jujitsu matches before the match even begins. Cause you'll see them match up with the partner, their opponent, and the opponent will like stare them down and you will see their body language change. And you can see mentally they've already decided that they're not as good or equal to their opponent. So I really do believe like what you just shared there, that the mindset, the intent, that if you come to the same situation with a different perspective that you can, you know, you can almost encourage yourself to get a better result. So that's a really, really, really good tip. And just like you said, even before, just practice, you know, just getting comfortable with it. That's the other part of it as well. Well, first of all, is there a big difference between a webinar presentation and an onstage presentation? I would say yes and no is the answer. And meaning like when you're live, you can do a lot of things and read the energy of the audience in front of you. Mm. Uh, It's like if you're sitting face to face, you can kind of sense or when someone walks into the room, sometimes you can feel that energy. And Mm. I'm not necessarily come from the energy world where people are very adept in that. But if you've ever had that phenomenon where you felt the situation wasn't right or you felt really happy and you just didn't know why, you know, there's forces at play. And so in a live crowd, you can be more interactive. You can be more engaging. You can see where people are and you can adapt on a webinar. It's a bit more challenging to do that. Mm. And so although the message in the presentation can be the same, that I would say the delivery changes. And you actually, I had to work harder on a webinar 
because if you've ever been on a webinar, um, you can have the kids in the background, you may be eating food, you may have the TV on in the background. So that usually doesn't happen in a live, a live audience. The other thing I would say for those that are curious is typically on a webinar, their attention span, for all the reasons I just said, generally only holds about 45 to 60 minutes max, where in a room, you know, unless they're just have to go somewhere or really need to go to the restroom, they're going to stay in that room for you unless you're really bad or saying the wrong things. Mm, yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. Now, some of my listeners have listened to a lot of my interviews and they know I'm a huge fan of webinars and any sort of vehicle where you can sell one to many. So a webinar allows you to do that. Speaking from stage allows you to do that. But one of the things I guess I wanted to mention while prefacing that is, well, I guess you said the presentation would be the same. So is it a formula that you follow is it like formulaic like what are the i guess what i want to ask is what is some of the secret sauce what are the big things or i guess maybe what i should ask is what are the big mistakes that people will make like you see some of your clients when they come to you and they come they're like hey this is my presentation this is what you know are there really big common mistakes that people make when they're trying to do whether it's a webinar or an on-stage presentation Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to go real advanced. So there's the classic ones that I suspect everyone listening in would know, you know, meaning that you don't prep or you don't get enough sleep. I want to go more advanced than that. Is that right, Daryl? Of course it is. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. I figured so. Here's the biggest, probably the biggest takeaway of our time together here would be starting with the end in mind. And, and let me go deeper than that because at, at first it sounds, oh, I've heard that before. So what I mean by end in mind is if you're selling, and even if you're not selling, we're selling. What I mean by that is if you're offering a product and asking for money, that's selling. If you're trying to get people to a strategy session, getting them to take that action is selling. If you want to raise money for a charity, asking for donations or soliciting donations is selling. And heck, if you're asking them to opt in or at a minimum go to your Facebook page or your blog or something like that and do an action, you're selling. And and the first premise is you should always be selling. And And I don't mean it like a lot of people think about it, like cheesy infomercial or used car salesman. But what I mean is we should always be training our audience to take an action. I mean, us as human mm. beings, we should be training ourselves to, to be into action. Just like you said, Daryl, mm. you got to take care of your body. You got to get up every day. You got to do certain things. And so content is great, but you should really inspire and challenge people to take action with it. So naturally, I'm going to inspire and challenge everyone on that will listen to this podcast to take that action and do something with it. And so the first thing I want us to go back to is the end in mind. So what is it that you want your audience to do, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on a webinar or even live from stage and start there. You see, when I first got started, I would always start with the title slide and in copywriting, they tell you start with the headline. You know, if you studied in level of copywriting, That's right. well, some of the copywriters, I think it was Halbert that said this, said, start with the order form first. Yeah, that is Halbert. He did say that. So I say, start with your offer, which is the order form. So what do you want them to do? So if you're selling a product, I want you to mastermind the most irresistible product ever with a few bonuses and a few different things that hit on people's hot buttons mm -hmm. and put that together first. Because when you do that, then now you have like a North Star and everything should lead back to that offer. Everything in the presentation, you can ask yourself, well, does this further the sale? Is this in alignment? Does this get us closer to them saying yes to the offer? And I think that's a big takeaway that a lot of people just, they invest all this energy and time into a message. And if you think about any project, 
at the start of it, you have all this energy, you're super excited. And even if you do this over a couple months, by the end of it, there's less energy, even if you wake up fresh every day. But if you think about it that way from a project standpoint, by the time you get to the close or the offer, you have less energy or less creativity in the project. And so that's not where you want to be having that because at the end of the day, if you have the right people in the room or in front of you uh -huh. and you have the right offer, this is old Dan Kennedy, if you've yeah. got the right market and you've got the right offer in front of them, you can be a bad speaker. You can um and ah and not speak proper English and screw a lot of things. Heck, you can even have technical issues right. and you will still make a sale. And that's the biggest, biggest thing I see people do is they invest all this energy in the beginning, the test in the middle, and then they fall flat in the close because they haven't linked everything together. Mm. That reminds me of, that's why you mentioned copywriting, because a lot of people, and especially a lot of marketers, want to see that copy is the most important thing. And because there's a lot of emphasis, depending on what industry you're in, a lot of people say that copywriting, and for those that are listening, they'd be like, why would the copywriting be so important? And the real reason I think comes down is because to write a letter to someone, you have to understand where they're at, what they're thinking, and where they're coming from. And so that's why a lot of people say copywriting is the most, and depending on what circle you're in, they'll say copywriting is one of the most important business skills you can develop. And a lot of it is because of the research that you have to do and the empathy you develop for your customer. But I love what you said because the research actually shows that the most powerful things that influence your sales is the offer and the list that you're talking to. Because, right, because you can be talking, you could be a gourmet chef, but if you're talking to someone who's just ate a full course meal, it doesn't matter how good your food is, <laughs> they're already full. So you're talking to the wrong person. And it's the same thing vice versa. If you have someone who's starving, but you're trying to feed them garbage, they're not going to take it, even though that they're hungry. So it's really the offer first and then the list. I love that. That's really, really, really well said. So, okay. So not beginning with the end in mind. Now, is there any other big mistakes that people make? That's a really good one. It kind of yeah. pushes people to, for the follow through. What else you got? I call it vomiting. So I think a lot of <laughs> folks, they want to build value. I just say that's really to grab your attention because right. as a strategy, and I'm in like a little side loop here, as a strategy, we know that listeners tune out every so often, right? And so one of the strategies, and I'll finish the one I started with, one of the strategies is you have to be constantly open looping. You have to be constantly sort of being like a shock jock, saying things that if people were listening and working, like that guy just said vomit. So remember, that's a strategy too. If you think like an infomercial, an infomercial, a 30 minute infomercial, it's not one message from start to finish. It's the same message repeated in a different way over and over again. Because if you think about it, when you watch TV or when you watch an infomercial, have you ever seen one? Did you start at the beginning and make it all the way through to the end? And maybe there's some marketing junkies on here that have absolutely done that. But most people will be will tune in halfway or a third of the way through and have to be sold. And so if you think about that, your audience does the same thing, whether they're there in front of you, they may have checked out mentally, or even in a room, they've got cell phones and on their Twitter. And so you have to open loop and, and say sometimes shocking things or off topic things to grab people's attention. So I think we fit that strategy as much as possible. Can you define what an open loop is for some of the listeners who may not be familiar with that terminology? Yeah, absolutely. So an open loop is another way to say this is a hook, something that we open in your mind. So in five minutes from now, I'm going to tell you the one thing that you must know if you're ever going to do a webinar again. And then I go and I talk in a different direction. I ask Daryl, I ask you how CrossFit's going. I've created an open loop in your head because I said the one thing that you must know, now in five minutes you're expecting that or you're salivating over that. And I'm not giving it to you now. I could. Right. I could tell you that one thing. But I'm saying in five minutes from now. And so that would be an example 
of an open loop. And that's a great way to almost secure someone's attention because if it's something that they're interested in, then they're going to hang on for those five minutes because they're waiting to get that juicy tidbit. They're waiting to close the loop. Absolutely. So the original, so we've closed that loop. We'll head back out and, and this can get fun and exciting. And I'm not doing this on purpose. We're just having fun here at our campfire. The other mistake I see people do, I said vomiting, right? And so they just give steps or they say a story and they don't process it. What I mean by that is if you can take your methodology, whether it's lose weight, whether it's find the love of your life, make money as a real estate millionaire, have an internet marketing business, if you can boil down what the big core steps are into like a five-step, a seven-step process or a set of principles, people love to buy into process, into principle. If we think – if we take Daryl here – He's bought into CrossFit, which is a culture, which is a lesson in itself. But they also have, you were describing to me, and I know from, from previous experience, a series of X workouts, and they only go for so long. So there is a CrossFit process that he goes through. So he's bought into that. And so if they didn't call it CrossFit and they just call it some exercises you do, that's not as powerful. Intel inside your computer, although I use a MacBook now, but we'll use Intel inside. They've sold us on their process or their chip or their technology. And so the big thing I want everyone to do is think about what is your process? Break it up into five steps, simple steps or seven steps, and then give it a name because no one can ever have Daryl's proven process for podcasting. That, that, that's unique and proprietary mm. to him. And so process, mm. create a name, a process, and call it something and sell people on that process. What else? What are some other big mistakes people make with their presentations? Well, I would say this is part of your process. So it's kind of the level deeper here. This is like what we teach here, speaking empire on an advanced level. What I would say is after you have your process, as soon as I tell you something, you might say, BS, I don't believe you. Mm -hmm. If I asked you, I do this live sometimes in an audience. I say, as soon as I say something to you, put your hand up. And then in the audience, I would push against that hand. And so naturally, when I push against your hand, if you put your palms together, mm -hmm. if I push against it, you're going to push back. And so if I tell you something like uh, in real estate, go put up a bandit sign, you may have done that as a strategy. And the sign police came and took down your sign. You got a fine. It didn't work for you, basically, right? I've actually been in that scenario. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yep. Right? So if I'm the speaker, communicator, and I tell you to do that, immediately your arms cross, if they're not crossed already, and you're like, I tried that. That doesn't work. So right. now I have resistance, and you have that resistance. So just because we say something, we can't expect people to accept it. Some do, but most want proof. So what I would say to do is wherever you're making a strong point, whether it's one of the steps in your process or a principle you want the audience to accept, back it up with a case study or a testimonial. And, and I'm more a fan of a case study than a testimonial nowadays because a case study is more real. It's more like, hey, let me tell you about my friend. You know, this friend that lives in Kentucky that has, you know, a kid name, a dog named John or whatever. And so I'm telling you the story and then I go now into the results. You know, he took my little bandit sign strategy and he put it in the, you know, eccentric part of town. And because of that, he generated X leads, five people called him and then he got a deal. I'm shortcutting a little bit here, but yeah, I would tell the okay. story 
of success behind each principle to get now the people to say, well, you know what? Maybe I did screw up that bandit sign. Maybe I put the wrong message or the wrong color, or maybe I didn't do it the right way. And now I'm now I'm engaged again because mm. maybe I did it wrong, mm, right? Mm, mm. So the big thing is don't vomit, create a process, and then tell stories behind your process of success, whether it's your own stories, but ideally your own stories and people that you've helped coach and mentor. That's awesome. So just as a quick recap for kind of where we've gone, because we talked about a lot of things so far. So, I mean, originally you shared with us how that you were originally afraid of public speaking. I guess maybe that's something that I didn't preface in the intro, but that's probably, it sounds like, like even when you met Dave, that was how a lot of the sales were made, was selling one to many, right? Speaking from stage, hosting events, getting a large room of people together, showing them the real results that they can get, showing them the case studies, and then making your sales there. Now, then when we talked about that, we talked about kind of how you overcame your initial kind of fears, how you found a mentor, how you committed to a path, you were an avid learner, you went down that road. And then we talked about some of the things that you had to overcome or that at least some of the mistakes that you feel people have made. So one of them is, you know, not just having a snazzy presentation, but making sure that you're saying you're delivering that the delivery is the same, whether you're speaking on stage or in a webinar, you also talked about wanting to engage with people. And I think that was an important piece that some people might miss. But even these calls, you know, there's back and forth between us. If this was just an audio of hour long of you just talking on, right, there was no engagement. People listening to this would probably lose interest pretty quickly. So talked about wanting to have engagement in your communication, your materials, especially things that your prospects might be listening to or consuming. You talked about having people take action. I really like that, that you want to be training people and every audience you have, because every business has an audience, whether it's just you have a newsletter, whether you've got a column in the newspaper, if you have a video blog, you have a podcast like me, you've got an email uh, newsletter that goes out, whatever that is, a social media channel, but that you want to be training people to take action. That was a really good tip. I really like that one. And then we kind of started going into the big mistakes people make. And the first one we talked about is they've got, they don't have a good offer in place. They don't start with the end in mind. So they start with the title of their presentation. They think about what they want to teach, not necessarily what they want to help the person with at the end or what they want them to do at the end. So you talked about starting with what your end result is and then building a path to that from the beginning. And then we also talked about vomiting, about not having, sounds like over delivering, like just compressing too much and over not having it be, because you've talked about having a system and a process. And I think a good reason for that is then it's a digestible chunks and it's a linear path people can follow. So it's easy for them to follow along mentally. Is that correct? Don't let me put words in your mouth, but is that part of it or yeah absolutely less is more so if you can make less and make it more of a process and organize it for the audience they're going to feel like they actually got more rather than you trying to jam everything down in 60 minutes or whatever time you've given right 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 fair enough so that was really really good and then i guess the other part that i liked and this is just a little thing but that you like case studies and as someone who i know who you are and maybe for the listeners it may be the first time they're introduced to you but you definitely know your stuff and testimonials, social proof is such a powerful, powerful tool. You see it all the time when people do selling weight loss products on infomercials before and after testimonial after testimonial after testimonial. But you say that you like case studies now. So that's something that's kind of come out out of all the, the research you've done, all the presentations you've helped people with. Case studies kind of tend to be more convincing than testimonials on their own. Is that correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why is people that are especially new, when I say, when we used to say, tell testimonials, share your testimonials, generally what they would do, and maybe you've seen this before on a webinar or maybe live, is someone would get up and they would actually read the slide and they would say, oh, so-and-so bought my system and they implemented this one strategy and they made $337,000 and blah, 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 blah. And so like that was so short and so quick. And it was like, okay, wow, that's cool. But who is that person or what's their story or, you know, in today's day and age, what I'm finding is the sales cycle goes a little bit longer. You have to be a better storyteller. You have to develop more. So you have to not, I don't want to say seduce because I think that's a bad word, but you have to communicate. You have to deliver more value. You have to wrap your message in a way that really resonates with your audience. And so when I used to say tell testimonials, a lot of people would do what I just described. And so now when I say tell a case study or a case story of success, that really changes the frame in, in their mind. They really get into telling the story of success rather than just saying, oh, they made you know X amount of money your lost X amount of weight. And I think a lot of the importance of that too is because then it allows your prospect to maybe latch onto someone who would be like them in a similar scenario. And that way kind of, you know, almost like future pace. We talked about how the nervousness, how it was from a different, how the mindset can make a big difference, right? Whether you're feeling excitement surging through your body or whether you're just terrified of all the things that could go wrong, it's the same energy. It's how you think about it. And so I think that's, I guess, from going with what you said, just it's framing it in a better way because a testimonial, it's like, yeah, Dustin, awesome versus a breakdown of hey this is this person and this is their scenario and this is the problem they're dealing with and this is the the stress it was causing in their life and it gives people an opportunity to one humanize the process that's going on and the people that are dealing with you because that's something i think happens a lot in today's day and age because it's so easy to connect I feel like people become numberfied. Like we're all serial numbers. Like, do you know what I mean? Like you've got a bazillion. I know a guy, he's got like a million followers on Facebook, but he bought them all and nobody responds to anything he does, you know, but it's just like numbers. It's not like, real. yeah. Yeah. So, okay, good. Okay. So do you feel that in your career, you, you know, you're really good with helping generate leads and sales with selling from stage with creating presentations that convey the mission of the business and the value that they have to offer and incite people to act. Do you feel, what habits do you feel have helped you develop the skills that have helped you be most successful? Oh, most certainly being a student. So despite what I know, and I know there's a quote I should have memorized because it really serves this purpose, but basically the more that I grow in life or the more I learn in life, the more I realize that I don't know. And so being a student is mission, mission critical. So I'm looking in my office right now and Debbie, who's our CFO, the mail came in and she got the mail. And so she's like, do you really read all these magazines? And so she handed me a stack of like five magazine. And there's a Christian one, a chiropractic one, Inc. magazine, a corporate training magazine. And so I told her, I said, you know, it does sometimes take time and they pile up, but eventually I'll go to them when I need them. Or if I have some downtime, I'll just go through it looking for ideas. Now, all of those are completely different niches. And so one, being a student is good and being looking is the other thing. And so in today's day and age, you know, you can get the news served up to you however you want it. But there's that art of stumbling across things, looking in other areas that is extreme value. And so being a student, being on the hunt, and then also to applying what other successful people are doing in other industries and saying, well, how can I use this over here? Because if you're just modeling everyone in your industry, let's say everyone in podcasting or everyone in health and wellness, if we're just modeling those as marketers, we're probably going to get a lot of the same ideas and eventually it'll lose its effectiveness. Mm. But if you were able to look at 
Hollywood and say, how would Hollywood attack this? How would, I don't know, a gym or something else attack the health field? When you say that and think of that, then that's when innovation starts to happen and really fun and interesting things come in and change the whole marketplace. Mm, Yes, you mean just boring ideas from other industries, which is a great idea because that's a really good way for you to just bring something new to your industry and decimate them because, like you said, that's true. Most people are just a copy of a copy of a copy and they do what other people do. But by merging them, you're right, that is kind of the quintessential thing of innovation. That's what Elon Musk is doing that's transforming all the industries that he's in. I mean, he's bringing solar power to cars. He's bringing his car technology or his his spaceship technology to cars as well. He's bringing both ways even. He's turning spaceships into a vehicle. I mean, the plan is, what, in five years or something to have it be that I can go spend some money and get a trip up to the outer space? Like... And so it's by sharing the technology and the ideas by cross-pollinating that that happens and that becomes a reality. So it's funny that you mentioned all the books you've got because I got a quote for you. So you said you didn't have it, but Jim Rohn's got a quote, the book you don't own, you can't read and the book you don't read can't help you. And I love that quote. And it's just really funny because yesterday the cleaner, we had cleaner came, my girlfriend, they conspired against me and they pushed all my books into the office because they were just all over the place. I love my books everywhere. So it was kind of funny that you're, she was like, do you really read these? Because that's where they're like, you don't need them here. You're not reading them. We don't need them in the living room and in the, because our kitchen table's got like a lower tier and the, the kitchen table, the lower tier was just full of books. They're like, yeah, but you don't read them here. I'm like, but you never know when I need it. And just to see it, to think about it, like... You know, and even when they're pulling them, I felt like they were taking my children and putting them in jail. Like even I was like stealing some. Like you can't take that one. You can't take that one. Like stealing them back. So that's a great I habit. Completely relates. <laughs> so, I guess I want to say, what advice? The one thing I guess what part of what I want to get in because I know that I already know what some of the listeners are thinking right now. They're like, all right, twenty five million in sales, two companies that hit the Inc. fastest growing private companies <laughs> list. Like, what's the secret? How do you do that? How do you do twenty five million in sales? How do you grow a company so quickly? What would you say to that? Well, I was brought up, this is a good question. I was brought up with the idea, find somebody that's already organized your list or your marketplace. And, and really, this is, this is a conversation about value. So always provide value, no matter what you do and how you do it. You, you want to be thinking about how can I provide more value here? You know, I think about Steve Jobs. You know, he provided more value by changing and organizing MP3 players that already existed at the time. He revolutionized phones. Every, everyone knows that as an example. And so one of the things that I did was I said, okay, find the people that are already organizers of the marketplace, That whether they have a direct mail list, an email list, a following online, a Facebook community, whatever, or an association, and figure out a way to provide value to them and build, build that relationship and then figure out a way to motivate them to promote you. So yeah, we can go spend lots of money on Facebook if we've got it. We can spend money on direct mail and radio and infomercials, but a lot of people don't have that. And so the way I built both of my businesses, the business credit one that that I started in information marketing, showing entrepreneurs how to get money for their business, and then now Speaking Empire was built off the backs of other people's audiences. Mm -hmm. And what I did to get my foot in the door is I showed up with outrageous mail. I flew out to other people's events on my dime and volunteered, and I built real relationships with influencers that had the list already because I didn't have the budget to go out and spend money on pay-per-click and do the things that they did to raise their list. And so I was able to scale quickly by building relationships 
and providing value to people that would then in return promote for me. Mm. And so that's how we were able to do it quickly. That's how Foreclosures Daily was started. We went to a RIA club, a real estate investor club, and we made friends with the organizers there. We built a relationship and then we got them to promote to all of their people our foreclosure service. Mm. And that's how we did it. And so I've done this time and time again. Eventually, you want to control your own desk. You don't have to be relying on others. So you do direct response. You invest in marketing and generate your own leads. But if you're just getting going and you want to do it quickly, this is a fast way to do it. Yeah, that's a great. In fact, for any one of my listeners, if you haven't heard me say this before, I always say that there's only three ways to get traffic. You can buy it, borrow it, or build it. And what Dustin was talking about at the end there is building it. When you're generating your own audience, you've got your own list going, you're doing your own lead gen. But at the, you always end up either buying it and you buy it by spending money on advertising. You buy it by having time invested in creating content and distributing that content. But you're always buying traffic somehow, one way, shape or form, or you borrow it, which is like he mentioned, which is as the fastest way. Like you said, it's actually the fastest way I've seen any business get up and running. And that's exactly like you said. If you have someone who's organized your entire industry into an audience and you can get them to put your offer and what you have to say in front of those people, you can have a ton of sales overnight and very little overhead, usually no upfront costs because you're just splitting the revenue on the back end. And that works really, 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 really well. Where people tend to get caught up in that, though, is if they only depend on that. So I'm glad you mentioned that caveat, Dustin, is if you only depend on that, it's not a good long-term method because there's probably only a few big leaders in your industry. And after you've, you know, you've gone through and you've had them promote you, they can only promote you kind of a handful of times at most, right? Because they've got other agendas to serve. They have the audience to take care of. They just don't want to be flogging your stuff all day, every day. And that's when you have to have some sort of back end. So I've actually seen that. I've seen million-dollar businesses come up and crash within a year. Like, guys, launches within three four months he's made a million and then just like does a face plant because he's got no other nothing else that works so that's a great tip though that's a really good tip because whether you're listening to this and you have a local market whether you listen to this and you have an online business wherever it is you can have alliances with other businesses i did this with my martial arts school strategic alliances with other businesses in my city and we would cross promote each other and all of a sudden it was a really easy way for us to generate leads on a consistent basis because we were all doing our individual lead generation and then because we were, you know, there's no competition between us, we were openly promoting each other. There was a wonderful cross-pollination that was happening there. So that's a really, really, really good tip. That is like, that right there is like worth the whole interview that we listened to on its own for anyone <laughs> who has something that's proven and tested. And I love that you said that you gave value before you asked, because I think that's the best way for people to sabotage their efforts before they even get started is if you just go out and you start approaching people and start asking for a handout, you have to remember this person's put a ton of time and energy and effort into building the platform that they've got. Why would they squander that on you? They've got all these people's attention. If they say the wrong thing, people will opt out of their list or unsubscribe or block them or do not mail me like quicker than you would believe. So why yep. would they risk that for you? You really need to be, like you said, you have to constantly be adding value and you need to have a proven offer and a proven presentation and a proven process. If I'm going to go in front of my audience, if someone wanted to reach out to me and get on my podcast, if I'm going to represent you and share you like I am Dustin in front of everybody, I want to know that if my people contact you, that they're going to be treated with dignity and respect, that they're going to be well taken care of and you're going to handle it like a legitimate business, that you're going to you know deal with them with integrity. So 
That's a great tip. That is a really good tip. I'm glad you brought that one up. That's excellent. Wow. So that's how you built those, eh? They can go really big, really fast, especially the right niches. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's Daryl, there's one other thing. There's one thing I wanna that I wanna bring up. And so I've been sharing a lot about the speaking and the presentation and, and all that. And and really it's funny because my core role here at Speaking Empire is really marketing. And so my partner, Dave, he's more the speaker trainer. He teaches on more of that content. And so the one thing I do want to communicate to everyone listening, to you, even you, Daryl, is that if you think about your podcast and you think about any speaking gig or webinar, if you really think about it in a year or over your lifetime, if you desire to go out that far, you only have so many opportunities in front of your ideal marketplace. So if we're doing podcasts, if we're doing a, you know, a live webinar or even a speaking gig, speaking gig makes it real, real clear. Even if you spoke 50 times a year, which is still a good number of times a year to speak, that's 50 times. And so a lot of people just give credence or thought to the presentation, which Amen. The performance is mission critical. But where I see a lot of people, especially my creatives, my um, speaker only mindset types, is where I see them drop the ball is what can you do before you get there and what can you do after? And I think of this like choreography. If your intent really is to change lives and it is to get money if you want want to sell a product or even get clients if you, you do sit downs with, with folks – what can you get the promoter or what can you do yourself as the promoter beforehand? So can you deliver massive content via article or a video so that you people see you before you actually do your performance? Mm. And then afterwards, what's the follow-up that can be done after it? And if you think about it like that, then you think of everything as choreography, like a play. Like what can you do to maximize this opportunity? And the reason why I say put a little extra work work into it is because if you think about it, there's really not a lot of opportunities that we encounter in our life where we're in front of our ideal marketplace, where we're performing, you know, like an NBA game or, or a baseball game. If you if you think about it, there's only so many performances that we give and we have the ability to really maximize before and after with crazy marketing, awesome marketing, creative crafty, influential things that we can do before and after. Mm, I love that. And actually, I have a really good sample of that. There's a guy, I forgive me because I don't know what industry he was in, but I do know that he, his business model, excuse me, was he would target trade associations relative to his niche and they would all have like an annual conference. And so what he did is he, you mentioned 50 speaking gigs a year. So he filled up his schedule with whatever they were, 10, 30, however many, I don't even really know. But I do know that this was his business model. And what he would do is that he made an arrangement with the trade associations that he could host his event, his one day or his two hour event or whatever it was the day before their conference started. So he would host it at their venue in their space before the conference had even started, the day before it started. So first of all, you talked about, you know, finding someone who's already put all your leads, your entire industry together for you in one kind of pond, if you will. And before that, he would publish articles and he would even pay to advertise in their journals and newsletters so that we, the people might be a little bit familiar with him before his event even came. So two, three months out before the conference, he's seeding them by putting those articles in their newsletters and their journals, paying for advertising because we talked about 
about being of value before you ask for anything. So he would spend money to advertise in their journals, even if he didn't make anything, because he was just trying to build a relationship. And that was how he, at least the pre part, because you mentioned pre and post, that was his mm-hmm. pre part was he was in their newspapers, in their magazines. He was giving out good content, good articles. So he was somewhat of a familiar face, you know, even if it wasn't necessarily a best friend that he had some sort of foot in those communities that way when it came to the conference and he set up and got up on stage he wasn't a stranger to everybody and he might have already had some champions in the audience so that's a great tip that is really a great tip because it's true we only have a finite amount of years even to perform this and i think that's part of why people should go big i mean what dustin what dustin and dave here have to share with people it's really valuable and really important and that's also why i'm a big proponent for selling via web webinar or from stage or anywhere where you can speak one to many because if your business solves a real problem for people like if you solve arthritis if you can actually help cure us you know provide a real solution for people then you owe it to the world to find and help out as many people as you can find that have that problem or whose lives would be better if you help them with that issue so I really hope people have been taking notes in this call because there's been a lot of great tips. There's been some that I've tried to dig out because they were put in the stories that we kind of went along and talked about. But that's just, this has been a really good call. I really, really like the beginning with the end in mind. I love that you talked about just practice. I mean, you said it so nonchalantly at the beginning, but it's so funny because it's just one of those things that a lot of people to do it once or twice and they just give up. But you brought that up before. First, with your with the example that when you just said so nonchalantly, like, oh, it was just a lot of practice. That's how I got good with presentations. But then also later on, you were talking about when, you know, once you suggest something, there's always going to be pushback and that you need to overcome that. Well, that's a practice thing. It's keeping chipping away at the same stone to try and, like, make your way, make your path and just refine what you're doing. So those are really good. I really love the traffic tip that you gave as far as, like, allying with people in your industry. Too many entrepreneurs... And I think I've been guilty of this as well, especially if you have an online business, it's really easy to be isolated from the world. And mm-hmm. it can't be where you, you're right? You have to be out in the public. You have to be doing outreach. You have to be mingling. We live in a world with people. Your business is here to serve people. I think the idea of where you have a business where you never talk to customers, you never talk to people, I think that's insane. I don't think that's sustainable at all. Sorry, I went on, a, I, now I'm on the one on the soapbox. But <laughs> it gave some really, really good tips. I'm trying to think. Now, where do you think the future of speaking is going? Do you see any trends coming as far as presentations and whether it's speaking from stage or webinars or where do you think the future of this industry is going? Well, that's an interesting question. So the industry, I'll tackle that second. So the first thing I I do want to point out is that no matter what technology comes out, we're always going to be telling stories. Mm. People are always going to be assembling somewhere, whether that's online whether that's in person, that's always going to happen. So there's going to be storytelling going on for years. And so this is a skill that one must master if they want to be impactful, if they truly want to get out there in the world. And so the future of the industry is not just about, I guess, the speaking business. And immediately when people think speaking, I think they think either stage, or they most certainly think stage, or they're starting to think webinar, but the media is going to change. So you speak when you're on TV, you speak when you're on a, on a podcast. 
And so the industry is going to change in the fact that it's not just going to be about speaking from a stage because the stage will change. The platform, it already has changed. So the platform is, you know, live stream. The platform is Periscope now. The platform mm. is social media is your audience. And so being a communicator, powerful communicator is really what it's about. And so I think that the smart people will figure out that you have to lead, you have to speak, and you have to understand how to communicate if you want to steer people in a direction, and hopefully those are, are directions of good and not evil, and that you do have a good product and service or that you're out to change the world. But those that realize that will always succeed no matter what the tools are. The tools will be easy. Mm, so well said. Yeah. I mean, technology's changed so much, but at the end of the day, we're only evolving at a very, very slow pace. So stories will always capture our attention. We'll always have basic needs like to eat <laughs> and sleep. <laughs> and so some of these things aren't going away anytime soon. That's great advice. I'll tell you this is the international market is heating up. So mm. I know in the US, you know, it's a big marketplace and a lot of people overseas are coming here to the U.S. because it's so big. But I can tell you places around the world are, I don't like saying behind, but they don't have access to as many creative, innovative ideas as quickly, even though we're in the age of the internet. They still are far behind in terms of adopting some of these strategies. In some areas, they're actually ahead, like in mobile over in Japan. Like they're, they like they're lead far, the charge. Far ahead, yeah. Yeah, far ahead. But in, in certain areas, they're behind. So for those of you that want to make a name for yourself, maybe have some international background, maybe speak another language or know of partners, I can tell you with all the ideas, if you listen to Daryl's podcast on a continual basis, if you follow him and all the ideas you're exposed to in your pursuit of excellence, if you take those over, overseas you're like the one-eyed you know king right. so you are the king in that land and so i, I do want to share that with you is we're seeing a lot of demand for international for americans to go over english-speaking people to go over and then also we're seeing a lot of them come here to the u.s mm, that's a great tip yeah especially with today's day and age it's so easy to deliver depending what your product or service is international that's a that is a really really good tip because to case study <laughs> no this was pre-planned by the way people listening but to bring a case sure. study to that <laughs> I have some friends, and I'm not necessarily going to go into the details, but they have a software as a service company. And people may know that I use Infusionsoft. I'm a database marketer. I love databases. And it doesn't matter what the tool is. Infusionsoft right now just happens to be the best at what it does. And they've built a software kind of add-on for Infusionsoft. And it's a really competitive marketplace in a lot of ways. But one of the things they found is there's a few other tools out there that do similar to Infusionsoft, and there's nobody. There's nobody. So now they're taking their software as a service and all they're doing is building an integration specifically for some of these other tools because they realize that the customer bases are equal or greater in size to Infusionsoft's community and they've got no competition. So what you mentioned there, that's a great that's a great way to go and spread it out and just stretch out your marketplace. If what you're doing is proven and working here where you are today, that's a great way to expand and scale your business. And in fact, you can even do that in a couple of different ways. This might, I don't know, this might help you Dustin back early in my consulting days I had a client who was moving who's a mover and he had a local moving company and he just felt like he tapped at the market. He couldn't do anything. So what we actually ended up doing is we set up a whole new website, and he had a second company, and he almost doubled his revenues by competing him with himself. So he had the premium <laughs> Rolls-Royce brand, and then he had, like, moving for cheap or whatever it was, right, on the other side. And it was the same dudes. They would just put on, like, white shirts. They had a van that didn't have the logo on it, and they had forms that didn't have the company, the Rolls-Royce company's name on it. But it was like the phone number went to the same people, the same secretaries, and he just competed with himself 
myself in the same market. So a couple of different strategies there for people. I love the international spin. And also, if you feel like you've completely saturated your market, compete with yourself because the people who don't like you will choose you as an alternative. So Dustin, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? (laughs) <laughs> That's a great question. For folks that, that want to podcast or do webinars, that is a good one. There's certainly more knowledge to share, more ideas to talk about. But in terms of giving people a lay of the land, uh, giving some really actionable ideas and strategies, I think for sure we have filled the cup in our time together. Yeah. So, okay. Well, perfect. And those of you, again, listening, please, I definitely encourage you to listen to this interview once or twice. So make sure you get all the goodness out of it. Keep that pen and paper. Make your action you know at the end of the podcast there's always those questions the to do to delegate to learn about to buy make those lists and act on it which you're going to get done in 24 hours which you're going to get done in 30 days and dustin i know you could be doing a lot of other stuff you got people from russia there right now you just did an event you got a bunch of clients in your office so i know you've kind of shut the door so you could give us some space and i really appreciate you dedicating that time to us i know that there's going to be people that benefit from this so thank you on their behalf and also my behalf i really appreciate your time today. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you this, as I mentioned earlier, your talk should always lead to something. And so for those of you that definitely enjoyed what I had to share and, and want to go deeper, um, we do have a process just like recommended to you. And so if you want to get access to that, no hard pitch here at speakingempire.com forward slash flash, like the care flash Gordon, F-L-A-S-H. You can find crazy resources, tools, and tips to empower your presentation and walk you through our process all for free, all for you, Mm. just for hanging out with us. And that was speakingempire.com forward slash flash, F-L-A-S-H. Perfect. And also, again, if you love this content, please feel free to go listen to the interview I did with Dave as well, because obviously get some more great tips and insights on this topic. So again, Dustin, thank you so much. Once more time, speakingempire.com forward slash flash, F-L-A-S-H. And Dustin, just thank you again, buddy. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care, everyone. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.